Okay, pull out your Bibles and something to take notes with this morning. Open up to your choice, Genesis 1 or 1 Corinthians 7. While you're turning there, we got so many good things going on. Uh, Father Steve wants to come up and share something. Oh, you have your own mic. Check that out. I got my own mic. Um, so as the, yeah, as the leadership is, Andrew comes up to close out this series. We have both a conviction as a leadership team and an exhortation. The conviction is that the topics that we have covered in this series are important to every one of our lives and us walking out our faith in the culture that we live in today and key to us bringing the kingdom. That's our conviction. These are critical to us. Our other conviction is, uh, is that just listening to these messages once is not going to do that for you. You need to soak in the content of these last series of these words. You have to soak in it. And our exhortation, which actually means encouragement with an exclamation point, please do it, is that would you please re-listen to the messages, and then I'm going to encourage you on how powerful the honest conversations have been, where we take, they used to be sometimes 20 minutes, there's sometimes an hour on these topics. I have needed them, and you need them. So please soak in this content and the messages and honest conversations and be encouraged and strengthened as you walk out your faith in our culture today. Everybody say, yes, sir. Shout out to Brooke. You're killing it on the podcast. Amazing. Uh, Also, just too many exciting things going on today. Uh, Raise your hand if you are doing the A-Kids Disciple Makers training today or if you serve in A-Kids. Everybody look around. I mean, come on. Let's go. So awesome. We have like 135 of you serving kids once a month. <laughs> so awesome. So way to go team making disciples. Um, all right. Like my dad said, we're finishing up or I'm finishing up my part of the series this morning. And then everybody's favorite pastor, Sam Best, is finishing up the series next week with a powerful, important message that you are not going to want to miss. I'm really excited for that. So this morning, The last topic that I promised you we'd talk about is singleness. Uh, So this message, honestly, is probably uh, the most overwhelming in its own way, even compared to some of the other ones, because there's like some people who are like 22 and single, then like 37 and single. Should single people feel pressured to get married? Why won't somebody set you up? Why Why do people keep trying to set you up? You got divorce, how do we do that, how do we do dating, how long should engagement be, you know, just all in 35 minutes talking about singleness, Pastor, what you got for me. So the goal today is just to talk about some principles that are going to be for everyone, and then again, because of the podcast, we'll be able to get into some more things that I'm not able to talk about this morning, so please, if you have questions, please submit those so that we can have those conversations that'll be helpful for you as we go along. Go ahead and stand up for the reading of the Word of God. Genesis chapter 1, 26 through 28. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, 
Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 through 7. Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, so this is a letter back in response to a letter. And the first letter said, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. They were asking about that. The word of God says, but because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come back. Come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now, as a concession, not a command, I say this. I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this time together. Again, we thank you for your word now. We pray your power, Holy Spirit, on your word, that your word would not return void in any one of us, that you would anoint me with the power of the Holy Spirit to preach it, and you would open everybody up to hear what is your word this morning. Come and bear your fruit for your kingdom, for your glory, in our lives in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go ahead and take a seat. As I finish up my part of this series, I want to recap a little bit. We have talked a lot about the fact, and really this series comes from the realization of the fact that we all are being discipled 24-7 by the world, right? We're being discipled in everything we do, everywhere we go, every day. We're being discipled by the world, and we really shouldn't assume that the direction that the world is discipling us in is the way of the Lord. I said at the beginning, let's just start with questioning that assumption. Let's just start there. And the broad testimony over the last handful of weeks has been that throughout this series, as we have examined the Word of God and been discipled by the Word of God in these foundational realities of our lives, it seems that is a broad statement, but all of us have been finding that we have been discipled by the world in more ways than we were aware of. And we've also realized that the word of God is more right than we even maybe thought it was. Every week we have discussed that God didn't create humans for their own sake. I think we've read Genesis 1, those verses every week. God didn't create humans for their own sake. He created humans for his sake. He made humans to be his image. And when he made image bearers, he didn't create an individual. He created a society because he himself is a society. And the society that God created in humanity to bear his image was not a government or a political party or a geopolitical nation state or a social club, but a household. And we need constant reminding that the world isn't about us humans. The world is about God. The Bible isn't about you. 
The Bible is about God. The world isn't about you. The world is about God. Male and female isn't about male and female. Who's better? It's about God. Parenting isn't about mothers and fathers. Parenting is about God. Sex isn't just about an orgasm. It's about God. You are not here to build your kingdom or anybody else's kingdom. You are here to build God's kingdom. Life is not found in self-actualization. Life is found in dying to yourself and being raised to the same new life as the Lord Christ Jesus. Does anybody need to be reminded of all of those things? Does anybody need to be reminded of those things constantly? Me too. All that we have talked about and just reviewed also applies to singleness. Every answer to every question about singleness must ultimately find its answer in God. In the same way that every question must ultimately find its answer in God that we ask about masculinity or femininity or marriage or parenting or sex. One of the questions that I talked about the first week in this series, and it's sort of been one of the underlying questions or maybe themes that we're trying to discuss in this series together, is we've been asking if there is anything especially unique in our times or in our days that we're trying to navigate, be it as a society or as people, but especially as Christians. Is there something really unique about the things that we're trying to work through today? Have Christians ever had to navigate this stuff before? Has the church ever kind of fought some of these battles before? Dealt with some of these questions before? We've shown in our time together that toxic masculinity is, sorry, that toxic masculinity and modern feminism are not uniquely modern ideas. We've talked about how basically the idea of the nuclear family is not uniquely Western. And the desire to have sex with someone or something other than your spouse is no new temptation. If there's any idea we are discussing, or if any idea that we are discussing is a modern or Western social construct, it is the idea that staying single and or childless as an adult is something that a person should really aim to embrace and celebrate and even extend and seriously consider choosing voluntarily in perpetuity as a means of living your best life. There is a growing trend in what the Western world and in our country towards staying and being unmarried. But that is not a natural trend of modernization that should be adapted to in the main. It is an unnatural trend that should be reversed for the betterment of individuals and for societies and for realignment towards submission to God and his will. The idea, the idea of staying unmarried and childless for the sake of independence and self-actualization, and the idea that that is to be celebrated as uh, 
or that that, that is valuable or should be desirable or, or is in itself noble is foreign to both the history and the design of humanity. The Bible doesn't teach that anywhere. And human society broadly has essentially never operated that way in any time or culture throughout history. Instead, it is obvious that this cultural encouragement is simply another spoke radiating from our culture's hub of radical individualism. Now listen to me very carefully. There is a big difference between talking about a person or me talking about you specifically and talking about an idea. There's a big difference between me talking about a single person individually and talking about this modern cultural movement towards embracing and pursuing adult singleness. Listen to me carefully. I'm not saying that any person listening to me right now, single or otherwise, has embraced this idea. And I'm definitely not saying that if you're single right now, it's because you've embraced this idea. I'm just shining a light on an idea that our culture feeds us every day so that we can be aware of it and be honest about how it has influenced or is influencing us, be that collectively or individually. When it comes to establishing the norm for individuals to pursue or for societies to embrace, the Bible teaches us this, that men, it is good and normal for you to want a wife as a companion, to want a wife as the help of God to you in your life, to want a woman to love as Christ loved the church, and to want a wife who will have and help you raise your children as a good and normal desire. Women, it is good and normal for you to want a husband to love and respect and submit to. It is good for you to want a husband who will love you as Christ loved the church and to whom you can submit to as your head in the things of God. And it is good for you to want to marry a man who you want to have babies with and raise them up in his house so that they can be men and women of God. That's good and that's normal for you to want that. But isn't singleness a gift? We actually, I think, have gotten at least a handful of written questions. I've gotten it lots of other ways, too, about 1 Corinthians 7. I think somebody actually wrote in something like, you talk about household all the time, but what about 1 Corinthians 7, 7? What the heck? That's a great question. So let's talk about that. What the heck is up with 1 Corinthians 7? 1 Corinthians 7, 7 says, I wish that all were as I myself am. So this is written by Paul. He's single. He's talking about marriage in this whole chapter. And he says straight up right here, I wish that all were as I myself am. So what the heck? 
As we approach 1 Corinthians 7, verse 7, and interpret it and understand it and receive what it's saying, there's a few things that we have to keep in mind as we study it. Number one, don't forget verse 6. Now, as a concession, not a command, I say this. This idea in the Greek about saying this is a concession, it's kind of Paul is saying sort of, okay, so real quick, pardon me for indulging myself with saying something I want to say real quick. It says right here, I, I say this as a concession, not as a command. So the question out of verse 6 is, what's the concession? What's the concession? And so the obvious question to ask, is the concession what he just said, or is it what he's about to say? Well, he just said in verse 5, Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. If this is what he is taking indulgence to say, then he is saying to the church in Corinth that was positing the idea that married people shouldn't have sex with each other, hey, don't do that. Don't, don't deprive your spouse of sex unless you want to abstain for a specific amount of time for the sake of prayer, but then make sure you come back together again. You don't have to do that, but you can if that's what you want to do. Or is the concession verse 7? I wish that all were as I myself am. If this is the concession, or if this part of verse 7 is the concession, it isn't a command. It's Paul throwing in something that he wants to comment on. And for what it's worth in studying, it seems that most people think that verse 6 is a preface for verse 7 rather than a comment on verse 5. So as we look at verse 7, number one, don't forget verse 6 to help you understand verse 7. Number two, don't forget the rest of verse 7. I wish that all were as I myself am. The verse doesn't end there. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. So the point here is not that people should be single, and that is the gift of God. But the point is that God gives some gifts to some people, and he gives other gifts to other people. Kind of like in everything else. Some, to some, he gives the gift of marriage. And we see that in reality, to most, he gives the gift of marriage. But there are some to whom he gives the gift of celibacy or the gift of singleness. So, what verse 7 is saying is, if you're single, then receive your celibacy from the Lord and offer it to the Lord. And if you're married, receive marital sexes from the Lord and offer it to the Lord as well. Third, so number one, don't forget verse 6. Number two, don't forget the rest of verse 7. And number three, don't forget the whole point that God's making in the whole Bible. The point is not to make a point about if you should get married or stay single. The point is that whoever you are, you should live wholly unto the Lord. 
entirely and completely unto the Lord. If you're single, give your whole life to God. If you're married, give your whole life to God. That's the point that the Bible is making. And this really is the main thrust, isn't it? The main thrust of the entire discussion surrounding the idea of the gift of singleness or the gift of celibacy. If you dig into this, you'll find that some people want to call them different things. I'm not going to get into that today. We're going to zoom one layer out from there. There there is no value in the kingdom of God in singleness as its own thing. Because the gifts that God gives are not about the gifts. The gifts that God gives are about God and the church. And everybody said, Amen. <laughs> no, this is sensitive, but we can all agree on it. That's right. The gifts that God gives aren't about the gifts. The gifts are about God, and the gifts are about the church. The gifts that God gives to you are for the church. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says that the Spirit gives manifestations of himself for the common good. So in whatever way that God has gifted you, in whatever way that God manifests himself to the world through you, it's not for you. It's for me. (laughs) And in whatever way that God has gifted me to manifest him to the world, it's not for me. It's for you. If God does give you the gift of singleness, it's not a gift for you. It's a gift for the kingdom of God. And by all means, be all as Paul was. If God has called you to be the same way as Paul was, do it. And don't stop at being single. Let us not reduce the exhortation of the Apostle Paul. What I really hope for everybody in their entire life to take from me and my example is that they don't get married. No, 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 no. I wish everyone was as I am, absolutely sold out to the Word of God, not struggling with distraction or wishing I was married or wishing I had kids, but I am free to go and give myself for the gospel, to be furthered in all nations and to be stoned and to be dragged out and imprisoned and shipwrecked and to know what it is to have plenty and to have nothing, to know what it is to be in the will of God, to know what it is to lay myself down and participate in the sufferings of Christ. I wish that everybody was as I am that knew what it was to fellowship in the sufferings of Christ that you might know him in his resurrection I wish you were all as I am go sell out run if you have the gift of singleness preach the gospel build the church reach the world and do it undistracted and untied down to anyone else on this planet If you are called to be single, it is not so that you can be single. It is so that you can be fruitful and multiply for the glory of God throughout the whole world. In this series, we have been talking a lot in terms of assignments. Have you heard me use that word a few times? 
We said that masculinity, for example, it's not a personality type or a social construct. It's an assignment. Femininity, it's not a personality type or a social construct. It's an assignment. Being a husband is an assignment. Being a wife is an assignment. Being a father is an being a mother is an assignment. The question in each assignment that we have talked about is not, well, what's in this for me? <laughs> the question is, what's in, what's in this for the Lord? Masculinity isn't about what's in it for you. It's about ordering things according to the kingdom of God for the glory of God. Femininity isn't about what's in it for you. It's about nurturing the life of God for the spreading of the kingdom of God. Being a husband isn't about what's in it for you. It's about loving your wife as Christ loves the church and gave, herself, gave himself for her. Being a wife isn't about what's in it for you. It's about submitting to your husband as the church submits to Christ. Being a father isn't about what's in it for you. It's about raising your sons and daughters in the way that they should go. Being a mother is not about what's in it for you. It's about nurturing men and women in the way they should go. And if you are called to be single, being single isn't about what's in it for you. It's about what's in it for the Lord. What is in your singleness for the glory of God? That is the question you should be asking. Don't stop at the question, am I called to be single? Ask the next question, if so, what's in it for God? The point of the gift is not the gift. It's the building up of the body of Christ. So, is it a gift? So, it, it, what, are you, what are you saying, Pastor? Is it a gift? Is singleness a gift? Maybe. If you are not married and you don't really have the desire to be married or have children or have sex, you might have the gift of celibacy. And if you think that might be you, then that is an assignment. That is an assignment in the kingdom of God, and you should take it very seriously, and you should receive it from the Lord. You should talk to your pastors and your community about how you might serve the Lord most fully in your singleness. If you're not married and you do want to be married or you do want to have kids or you do want to have sex, then you know as well as I do that singleness is not a gift. It's an affliction. This might get me accused of being mean, but I, just, I love you enough to both be honest and help you be really honest. If, if singleness is... An affliction, well, what do I mean by an affliction? I mean affliction in every sense of the word, something that causes you pain. If it causes you pain that you're single, if it causes you pain that you're unmarried and don't have babies, if it causes you pain that you can't have sex, that's an affliction. And, and if your singleness is an affliction to you, you don't have to lie to yourself and pretend that it isn't. You're not discontent 
or bitter for admitting that you're single and you don't want to be. Marriage and kids is the normative desire. It's the normative goal for humans. And it's normal to have some level of disappointment when you don't have a marriage or children. That's okay. For most single people, singleness is only a gift in the sense that it's an affliction. And the way forward is not by pretending like this affliction of singleness is the gift you always wanted. I'm so happy. Look how content I am. I want to kill somebody. But I'm smiling, so that's contentment. Let's be real. Let's be real. God sees past the smile, so you might as well go there too. <laughs> if celibacy is a gift to you, treat it as a gift and serve the Lord. If it is an affliction, treat it as an affliction and dedicate it to the Lord. In the beginning of 2021, I did a series called Biblical Formation and did a message in there in the brokenness section called suffering. And we talk about a biblically formed understanding of suffering, a perspective of suffering, and a response to suffering. A biblically formed perspective on suffering sees that whatever the cause of suffering might be, by the grace of God, it is always an opportunity for reward. It is always an opportunity for reward because... The Bible teaches us that God is close to us in our suffering. That's as much as I can get into that today. I would encourage you, if this is resonating with you, to go back and listen to that message. And not just if celibacy is an affliction, but if you have any afflictions at all. And one of the most common afflictions in our day regarding all of this that we're talking about today is divorce. And I'm like, God, how do I now talk about that today? And where I landed for now is if that's something you want to talk about or remarriage or any of that, like, I can't even begin to go down all of the lanes, but I'm here and your pastors and elders are here and we'd love to talk with you. So I'm not skipping over it. I'm trying to give it the value it deserves to sit down with you and talk if you want to anytime. I'd love to spend some time together. The truth is that the vast majority the vast majority of single people should be aiming at becoming husbands and wives and fathers and mothers. You should be aiming to be the man who is and becomes the husband and father that God requires. You should be aiming to be the woman who is and becomes the wife and mother God requires. In other words, you should be aiming to be the type of person that the type of person you want to marry wants to marry. And that, that, that shouldn't be like this peripheral thing in the back of your mind. It's okay for that to be pretty darn front and center. It's kind of a big deal, big part of your life. If you're not called to celibacy and you really want marriage, it's okay to make that like a pretty main thing in your life. 
just like you do the other calls of God in your life. Now, before we end, I'm going to, like Paul, good thing you started the music, this will soften it a little bit. Like Paul, I'm going to ask you to pardon me as I indulge in giving a thought that is not a command. Everybody say, it's not a command. I'm not going to talk to you like the Bible tells you this. I'm going to talk to you like this talk to you like I would tell you this if you were my son or daughter. To the single men in the room, if you're over like 23 and you're not called to celibacy and you go to this church, you should be doing your part to be married in probably the next 24 months or so. I didn't promise you it's going to happen. I said, you should do your part. You need to get yourself in order before the Lord. You need to learn from respectable men what that means to be a well-ordered man. And you need to assume that finding a good wife is something you should be putting effort into. There are plenty of amazing, beautiful, godly, single girls around here. Now listen, if you need help, which you do, just got to make sure that gets through our thick heads. You need help, and that's a good thing. We all need help. You're not dumb or not smooth because you need help. It's very unsmooth. It's very unsmooth to try to do this alone. It's not smooth. It's stupid. Be smart. Get help. We're all here. We're all here for you. We're all here for you. We don't just want you to be a good man. We do want you to find a good woman, and we don't want you to screw her up by being a bad marriage because you never asked anybody for help. It's not a command. (laughs) Chances are that you need a good wife to be the man that God's called you to be. And you should be aiming to be the man who is and becomes the husband and father that God requires. That is a noble endeavor and a good priority. To the single girls in the room, if one of these guys asks you out and he says he talked to one of us, you should give him a chance. The first question that Heather asked me when I told her I wanted her to be my girlfriend was, who else have you talked to about this? Brilliant. It felt really good to have a really good answer to that question. Now make sure you're also getting godly counsel before you both, or before you either move forward or back out. And be careful not to get too emotionally married to your type and let that keep you from getting actually married to an awesome godly man. Now, I know that this can be really hard or frustrating to hear and that there's a lot that you can't control when it comes to being initiated with and I get that and I hope that I'm showing you I'm on your team. (laughs) 
But I just encourage you that no matter what happens, no matter what happens, initiated with or not, whatever, no matter what happens, you will never be wasting your time by aiming to be the woman who is and becomes the wife and mother that God requires. You'll never miss it. Okay, that's all I had to say about that. So as I wrap up this morning and wrap up my bit of this series, what I want to make clear is that the bottom line of all of this, all that we've talked about, not just this morning, but in the beginning part of this year, is that whoever you are, the day is coming soon that you either go to be with him or he returns. And when that day comes, you won't be able to worship him as a man struggling anymore to be a good man, a woman trying to fight against the pull of discontentment, a husband deciding day after day to love his wife as Christ loves the church, a wife submitting to her husband as unto the Lord, a father living to pass on a meaningful name to his sons and daughters, a mother nurturing her children to be men and women of God they are called to be, or a single person fixing his or her eyes on Jesus while not experiencing the wanted embrace of a spouse. Whoever you are, live for that day. Live for that day today. I've heard so many testimonies of the conviction of the Holy Spirit over these weeks and about how people are responding. If, you've, are, if you are being convicted by any of this build the home stuff, receive it. Receive the conviction as from the Lord. By definition, it stings a little bit. That doesn't necessarily mean it wasn't God. Give it a second to see if it was him. And if it is, receive it. Receive his conviction. Respond to his conviction. Confess your sin and repent that you might find life. Embrace this moment and don't just do it alone or quietly. Confess your sins to one another that you might be healed. Confess so that you don't have to walk out your repentance alone or in your own strength. If there is something that God is convicting you of, share it and work through it with your community, with the people of God that are surrounding you. If there's something that you are repenting of, confess it to your community and have people pray for you. Don't just sit through a message and get convicted by the Holy Spirit. Engage with the Holy Spirit and the life and the power of Christ, that the power of of sin might be broken off of you, that the pain of sin might be healed, that the direction of death might be turned around, that you might set your mind on the things of the Spirit, which are life and peace. We are here to reflect the image of God to the nations, and we need each other. We can't let our pride of, oh, that was convicting, but I'll just go respond to myself. The Bible says it doesn't work that way. Break the power of it and confess it to somebody else. Walk out your repentance in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let us be a people that open up our hearts. And like we've been talking about all this morning, we ask and we seek and we knock. And we say, oh, Holy Spirit, pour out your word. Direct me in your ways, not just so that I can have a good life, but because, Lord, I and we want to be your image bearers on the earth. We want people to look at our lives and see the image of God. We want to die to ourselves and be raised to life in Jesus Christ. Would you stand as we close our time this morning?
Our prayer team is going to come and be available for prayer. If you have been convicted, but you haven't confessed to anybody in these weeks, come up and confess. Come and get prayer. Consecrate yourself wholly unto the Lord. And let's do this together. Lord, we love you so much, and we thank you for your holy word. We thank you for your instruction and your revelation. We ask that you would build us in the power of the Holy Spirit. We do take you at your word that your blood is powerful, that the forgiveness of sin is ours by the grace of Christ Jesus, and that you have called us unto righteousness under your holy name. We give ourselves to you completely in Jesus' name. Everybody said... Amen.